Last Sunday we started talking about this series that we've entitled Monday to Saturday. And our objective in this whole series that we're doing on Monday to Saturday is to encourage us to live as believers Monday to Saturday. That our Christian experience is not just restricted or limited to, you know, the few hours that we spend on Sunday worshiping God or in, in the house of God. But that Monday through Saturday, we experience God, we walk with God, and we live as believers. Wherever we are, whether it's schools or colleges or homes, workplaces, neighborhoods, communities, wherever we are, we live that way. And we kind of condensed last Sunday's message on the Monday to Saturday mandate by using our church acronym APCWO. A is for altar. P is for... How many of you are present here, right? P is for presence, C is for community, W is for witness, O for outreach, right? Altar, let your altar be a flame, the love for God throughout the week. Practice people, practice the, practice the presence of Jesus throughout the week. What would Jesus do? Any circumstance, any situation you face, Monday through Saturday, APCW. <laughs> witness unashamedly. To your friends, to people around you. Community. Be part of a Christ-centered community. Connect with other believers during the course of this week. Don't just meet believers on Sundays and say, you know, I'll see you next Sunday. During the week, connect. Share. Encourage one another. Witness unashamedly for Jesus and or for outreach. Go beyond your comfort zone. Reach out to people that you might have to cross cultural boundaries with or who are less privileged than you are, or even be a missionary. Reach out to people who are far off through your prayer and your support and so on. This morning, I just want to kind of build on what we started talking about last Sunday. And here's what I want to challenge us this morning. I want to challenge us to see ourselves as missionaries Monday to Saturday. And I say missionaries doesn't mean you wear a white shirt and a lungi and have a sling bag and go around house to house. And neither do I mean that you, you, know, you go off in some remote place of the world and send postcards to your friends. That's not what I mean. I mean a missionary is a man or a woman on a mission. Very simple, isn't it? And you and I need to perceive and understand ourselves that we are people on a mission Monday to Saturday. And this mission is a heavenly mission. It's a God-given mission. And therefore... If we accept the fact that we are missionaries Monday through Saturday, then it changes our whole perspective. It changes our very purpose in living Monday through Saturday. We live not just for the temporal, but now because we are missionaries, we are living for the eternal. We live not just for the earthly, we now live for the heavenly because we are missionaries. And this affects the choices we make, the decisions we make in life. The decisions we make in life, therefore, are governed and guided by what is eternal, what is heavenly, rather than just going with the temporal and earthly things. The choices you make, whether it's the courses you study, the job you take, how you work, etc., etc., they are now guided by something that's heavenly. You are on a heavenly mission. Amen? And this is not just 
for Sunday mornings. You know, let's say, come on Sunday, now I'm on a mission. I got to, you know, I got to do worship. I got to preach. I got to help you. My mission is on a Sunday. Your mission is not on Sunday. Your real mission work happens Monday to Saturday. Amen? You got to see yourself as a missionary, a man or a woman on mission, Monday to Saturday, in whatever you're doing. And that's my purpose this morning, objective, to really inspire us to begin to look at life that way, that I am a missionary, I have a mission, I live motivated, driven, passionate about a mission that's from heaven. And what I want to do this morning is not really teach any in-depth message, but rather just share some simple stories of people and share some things with you of people from different age groups and uh, different walks of life just to inspire us and keep this in mind that you know what God did in the past he can do again amen it might just come out in a different shape or a different form but what God has done he can repeat it in a way that's relevant to our day and time God is no respecter of persons Romans 2.11 says, and Acts 10.43 says that there is no partiality with God. What the, if He did something, if He worked through someone in a certain way, He is very well able to repeat it through you. In our day, in our time, it might just come out in a little different way that's relevant to our times, but God's able to do that again and again and again. So when you listen to these stories and look at these testimonies, I want you to say, you know, I want you to capture that and say, God, if you did it through them, I'm sure you can do it through me. I am a missionary. I want to start by, you know, just addressing different age groups, different categories. You know, students and young people, see yourself as a missionary, a man or a woman on a mission in your school or in your college. Yes, your primary assignment and responsibility is to study and do well in your studies and get good marks and keep moving up that's important but in addition to that you must see yourself as an individual who has a heavenly mandate a heavenly assignment in that school in that college amen look at this ancient story of Daniel and his friends you know they were foreign students in the University of Babylon it wasn't called that but you know if it existed in our time it probably would have been called that and they were international students However, with a difference, because they were made international by force. They were taken captives over there and admitted into this university. Because Nebuchadnezzar wanted them indoctrinated with all the language and the understanding of Babylon. But you know their story, how in a foreign university, they did not compromise their values. They said, no, this is the way we've, brought, we've been brought up. This is our tradition and we're going to stand by it. And God came through for them. They became better. They were 10 times better than the local students. Because Daniel 1.17 says, God gave them knowledge and understanding. And made them excel in their studies. And as they progressed in their career, after they graduated from university, immediately they got jobs with, you know, Daniel got a job right away being prime minister with the king. This is a, the government of a foreign nation making a Jewish young graduate part of his cabinet. And as he rose up, as he excelled there, he soon became president. And he was able to influence and shape two kingdoms, the Babylonian kingdom, and later on after that, the Persian kingdom. A young man on a mission. Amen. 
So students, I want young people, I want to encourage you to see yourself as a mission in your school, in your college, or wherever you are. As a young person, you, have a miss- you are a missionary Monday through Saturday. In my own life, you know, I have to admit, I didn't like going to school when I was young. And I used to, you know, kind of, till I got saved, I used to find every excuse not to go to school. But then, when I got saved, I had an added motivation to go to school. Because to every morning I get up, I said, God, whom can I witness to today? Whom can I get to lay hands on and pray for today? Really, and that excited me because my school was my mission field. I, could look, I, just, I went to school not only to study, but now I was looking out for people that I could share the gospel with, look out for people that I could minister to, demonstrate the healing power of Jesus. That motivated me to go to school to the point that I was in school sometimes even on Saturdays. Just to, you know, hang out with friends and see if we could do something, get people saved, share the word with them, and so on. Looking at the history of Christian missions, major, major mission movements. And it's interesting to note that one of the most significant missionary movements or is called the student volunteer movement. And this was kind of took, uh, it began at the time of D.L. Moody. When during his revival preaching, this was back in 1886, when he challenged this to his audience. He said, I want a hundred students who will volunteer and go overseas to do mission work. And in response to his challenge, what was again was is called the student volunteer movement that was formally initiated in 1888. And it was led by a Methodist man and a Presbyterian man. And the end result of that Looking at that entire missionary movement, here's what was the end result. By 1959, 20,000 students went as volunteers overseas. They left their homeland of America, went overseas to serve God. Students. Now, 20,000 may not sound like a big number, but keep in mind, in those days, you know, people were not flying, you know, go on a short term, you know, fly in two days, you reach your destination, and you come back in two days. It's not like that. You had to travel by sea. Spend months just to get to the place where you wanted to minister before you start ministering. But 20,000 students went. And in, Christ, in the history of Christian missions, that's a major a landmark or a major accomplishment. In our nation today, I'm really impressed by the Evangelical Union. And as I see young people, EU doing a wonderful work among college students. Many of you, or some of you, sorry, are in some way connected with the Evangelical Union. You, you know what I'm talking about. And it's amazing to see the work they're doing among college students, motivating young people to share Jesus. Young people, I believe that, you know, God can do amazing things through your life. You need to see yourself as a missionary, Monday through Saturday. I want you to watch this little video. I want to thank Alvin for, you know, just pointing me towards this and praying for just compiling this. It's an 11-minute video of some... Typical modern-day young people who are able to minister the power of God. I want you to watch. The point is, young people, you can make a difference. Amen? God can use you just where you are, out in your everyday life, Monday through Saturday. God can use you to bring bring in the kingdom of God and see souls saved, healed, and delivered, and brought into His kingdom. Amen? You aren't excited? Okay, guys, let's give God a hand. I just said, God, use me. God, use me. Amen. Amen. You know, I just really appreciate 
that the fact that young people are able to, you know, are so turned on to God that they would do this in Disneyland. I mean, they could have gone and just had the fun and normal, what normal young people do, and just got home. But they went there to take the kingdom of God. This is being a missionary Monday to Saturday. Amen? Now, let me just quickly move on. I want to talk about, you know, teachers, college professors. You know, those of you who are teaching, you are in school, you're, you're a teacher. I want you to know that you can have powerful impact and influence on the lives of your students, not only in terms of academics, but also to, you know, guide them, direct them towards the Lord. You know, I'm standing here today serving God because of a teacher in my school, right here in Bishop Cottons, where he dared to start a prayer group. I mean, it was supposed to be a Christian school. It is supposed to be a Christian school. But he faced opposition from authorities and leaders in the school. In spite of that, he started a prayer group. In spite of the ridicule he faced, he started a prayer group. My life was changed. And the lives of many of my fellow students were changed. Many of them are serving God, walking for God today. Because one teacher said, I'm not just going to come to school and teach. I'm going to fulfill a heavenly mission. Amen. And I want to challenge you, those of you who are teachers, professors in schools and colleges, you know, do your teaching, do it well. But at the same time, see yourself as a missionary in that school, in the college, and say, God, what can I do to impact lives? A small thing you start could have powerful impact in the days to come. Something you do can make a big difference in the lives of, of the, your students and through them into many others. Now, some of you sitting here this morning, you may be homemakers. You may be people who are at home. You know, you say, hey, what, what, how can I be a missionary? You know, I make chapatis and sambar and rice and all those things. What way can I be a missionary? I just want to bring your attention to two things. You know, you as a, as a homemaker can have a powerful ministry of hospitality. John writes this in his third epistle in 3 John, and there's only one chapter, so chapter 1 verses 5 through 8. He's writing to Gaius and, and people in his home, and here's what he says. Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers who have borne witness of your love before the church. If you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well, because they went forth for his name's sake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that they may become fellow work that we may become fellow workers for the truth. What he's telling them is this, you know, hey, what you're you're doing an amazing job, an amazing ministry. You got these ministers who are coming through and you're taking care of them. You're providing, you're being hospitable, you're providing them a place to stay. And so he says, You've become fellow workers for the truth. You become co-workers with them. So as a homemaker, a ministry of hospitality is something that you could consider doing. And the ministry of intercession is so powerful, it makes you a silent missionary. You can travel around the world without any airline ticket, without any visa requirement, and you can pray for people around the world. And because you pray, nations can change. You know, this is an amazing story of a, a woman named Jael in the book of Judges chapter 5. Verses 24 to 27, she, you know, this was around the time of Deborah the prophetess. And just what it says about Jael in Judges chapter 5, verses 24 to 27, Deborah says, you know, most blessed of all women is Jael, wife of Heber the Kenite, most blessed of homemaking women. So he, Deborah calls her most blessed of all homemaking women. So Jael was a homemaker. 
But she made a big difference. What did she do? You know the story? Verse 25 continues. It talks about Caesar, the king, king of the enemies. He said, he asked for water. She brought milk. In a handsome bowl, she offered cream. She grabbed a tent peg in her left hand. And with her right hand, she seized the hammer. She hammered Sisera. She smashed his head and she drove a hole through his head. This woman, a homemaking woman, was instrumental in killing the enemy king. Now you don't need to do the same thing. But in the spirit, as an intercessor, as a prayer warrior, being at home, I think you can nail demonic powers in the heads. Amen. In your tent, as you pray, as you intercede, as you exercise your authority in Jesus, you'll be nailing principalities and powers over the city of Bangalore, over the nation of India, and over nations around the world, sitting in your tent, in your home. You can be a missionary Monday to Saturday. Think about business people. A large majority of us here today are, are professionals working in business and uh, maybe you're running your own business. You are a professional working in, in, in organizations. I want you to see your business or your professional life as ministry. If you are a believer, there is nothing secular in your life. Everything is sacred. Because whatever you do, you do it to the glory of God. A young man this past week, he was a graduate from our first year of first batch of Bible college students. He came and met me. And uh, you know, God has opened up some business opportunities to him. And I think one of the things that happens to our Bible colleges as they come through APC is they are challenged. A lot of their mindsets, a lot of traditional mindsets are challenged. And so he came with this thing. God had just opened up opportunities for him to do business. Now, he is the son of a pastor. He's pastoring a church and doing ministry and all, all of that wonderful thing. But now business is opening up to him and he was, he was like a little thing. Like, what should I do with this? God's opening it up for me. What should I do? And I gave the same counsel. I just spoke to you now. I said, you know, in your life, there is nothing secular. Everything is sacred. Your business is your ministry. It's if it's a God-ordained activity. Amen. He was afraid that he'll be serving two masters. I said, no, as long as you do serve one Lord, you're doing two things. You're serving in the church and you're doing business. Everything is unto the one Lord. Amen. When God put Adam in the Garden of Eden, the first thing he told him is to tend the garden. Work was instituted before the fall. And work was part of Adam's ministry. Amen. God didn't get jealous of Adam and he took care of the garden. It was something God told him to do. Every God-ordained activity is called ministry. Whether it's running a business or working a job, whatever. Ephesians 6 calls people who work as uh, consultants of Christ. You may be a consultant for TCS, Wipro, Infosys, whatever. But first, beyond that, you're a consultant of Jesus Christ. It's in the Bible. It doesn't use the word consultant, but that's what it means. You're an employee of Christ. Amen. So you've got to see yourself as somebody who's on a mission. In your workplace, you're on a mission. You're a missionary there. You have a heavenly mandate on your life. You're an employee of Jesus first before you're an employee of whichever organization you belong to. And there are just stories, all kinds of stories from around the world. Amazing things that God is doing through people, small and big, in the area of business. The apostle Paul himself didn't cease being an apostle just because he ran a tent-making business. At least in three places, in Corinth, in Ephesus, and Thessalonica, he ran his tent-making business. Now, he didn't do it for charity. He didn't make tents and give it away for free. 
It had to be profitable because, you know, out of that money, he supported himself and his whole team. Amen? And he didn't lose his apostolic calling or mandate just because he made tents and ran a tent-making business as he was simultaneously raising up churches. Amen? So we need to get rid of some of our traditional understanding and see that Monday through Saturday, wherever you are, you are on a mission with God. I just want to share with you one story. You know, there are so many stories from around the world. But I want to share with you one story of a man named Ken Eldred. He's alive. He's a... Ken Eldred, he graduated with an MBA from Stanford University. And he was an extremely successful businessman. He began early in his career. He was a founder, chairman, CEO of InMac Company, which was the first company that, that got into online direct sales of computer accessories. Direct sales of computer accessories by direct. First company that went into that business. And he was a successful businessman. And then... He is well known today for being the founder of Ariba Technologies. Many of you would know of it. Some of you may even work for it. Ariba Technologies, the first company that, that has really made a success of the internet business to business industry. And he grew it up. He's founder. He started it. He grew it up into a $40 billion company. Uh, he also started several other companies in the process. But here's the point I will bring your attention to. An extremely successful businessman in the IT industry. But... At the same time, for 10 years, he was running a weekly Bible study right in Silicon Valley for business people. While he was doing this, raising up Arab technologies. And he was also appointed as an elder in David Yonggi Cho's church in Korea. An elder of that church on board there. He also wrote a book, God is at Work, an author of that book. Uh, a very power, uh, instrumental in, in motivating people in the area of kingdom business. He's a co-author of uh, another book on kingdom business. And today, of course, he's taken all his wealth and he and his wife have, have founded Livingstone's Foundation, which today has approximately about 100 million in assets that's being used to support Christian ministry, Christian work, and a charity around the world. A Christian businessman who saw himself as a missionary Monday to Saturday. Amen. And some of you are women. I just want to remind you of Lydia in the Bible. Now when Paul went to, uh, to Philippi in Acts 16 verses 13 to 15, it says this, And on the Sabbath day he, we went out, Paul and his team went out of the city to the riverside, where prayer was customarily made, and we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira. Who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. When she and her household were baptized. She begged us saying. If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord. Come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. Lydia was a praying woman. She attended the Globe breakfast meeting by the riverside. She was a praying woman. But she was also a businesswoman. She was a seller of purple. She had a little business. Selling dye. Seller of purple. And... When Paul and his team came, they found the Globe Breakfast meeting going. They decided to join the Women's Prayer Breakfast, you know. And they got us talking to Lydia. And not only was she a praying woman and a businesswoman, she was also a very hospitable woman. She welcomed them. And she was instrumental in the founding of the church at Philippi. So you can be a Lydia in our day. A businesswoman, a praying woman, and a woman that God used to help raise up a church. Government is another area where, you know, 
we see so many testimonies of Joseph and Nehemiah and Esther and Daniel. People who in their day influenced governments. They didn't just see themselves as, you know, they didn't isolate themselves to follow a prophetic calling. They were prophets, but they were in the government. Sitting on cabinets and as prime ministers and presidents, influencing presidents. Prophets and affecting nations. They were missionaries Monday to Saturday. I want to close with this story. Some of us will be definitely called to ministry in the sense of just, you know, giving all of our time to serving God. And that's part of what God does. And, I want, and there are stories, amazing stories of missionaries. People who just gave themselves to the purpose of God. And, uh, you know, I think one of the things that I fear is that some of the, the newer generation doesn't hear the stories of men like David Livingston and William Carey and Hudson Taylor. Those stories seem to get lost. But we need to hear those stories. Growing up in the Methodist church, these, these stories really inspired me, motivated me, saying, God, I want to lay my life down like these men and women who did, did that in their time. And I think we need to hear these stories. I want to give you the story of one man. His name is John G. Lake. And uh, this happened towards the, the end of 1800s. John G. Lake, he was born, he and his family, John was born, born in Canada, then they moved down, I think, initially to Michigan, settled down there. But at the age of 21, he got married, and uh, he was a very successful businessman. He started off a newspaper business, very good, and good at that. And then later on, uh, he moved, they moved to Chicago, where he got into the real estate business, and uh, also started another newspaper business, extremely successful. And at that time, and this is talking about 1893 at that time he had a hundred thousand dollars cash in the bank I was very wealthy for his day very successful he was so successful in Chicago as a businessman that he represented the Chicago Board of Trade they sent him off to New York and just doing amazing things he then started off an insurance company with again grew and he became very wealthy very successful but here's what was going on on the other side after he got married Three years into this, their marriage, his wife fell ill with an incurable disease. Something that had to do with the chest, probably tuberculosis or something else. An incurable disease that, that really affected her. But two years of suffering and she was supernaturally healed under the ministry of John Alexander Dovey. Some of you might recognize that name. And healing evangelist of that day. She was powerfully healed completely. And that really got the attention of John G. Lake. And so he gave himself to the study and the pursuing of uh, discovering who he was in God and crying out for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. And then from 1898 to 1907, during that period, as he was experiencing tremendous success in business, he also was preaching almost every night. And God was using him to heal the sick and see souls saved. A Monday to Saturday missionary. Amen. But he kept on crying out for the power of God, saying, God, I want, to serve. I want more of this and more of this. And then finally in 1907, God spoke to him and uh, said, you know, told him to prepare to go to Africa. And he took a drastic step. In 1907, he decided to give away all his wealth. He gave away all his wealth to Christian work. Everything. He started literally with nothing. He spent a year just you know, ministering there in, in the United States. In 1908, 
he and his family set out for South Africa with nothing in their pockets, literally. It's an amazing story. I don't want to give you all the details. Even money to buy the ticket for the ship, he didn't have. But God was providing supernaturally. But here is the amazing thing. He landed in South Africa, and in five years of ministry there, supernatural ministry, healing and deliverance, in five years, he was responsible for one million people coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ. 625 churches raised, over 1,200 missionaries trained, sent out in five years. Five years. Powerful result. Today he is known as an apostle to Africa because of the lasting impact that he had. From South Africa, things just spread across the African continent. He moved back to the United States, and this time the Lord directed him to go to Spokane, Washington, where he established what is called as a healing rooms. But they would just pray for the sick. And there, is, there are, in five years, living in Spokane and ministering to the healing rooms, there's a, there are 100,000 documented, recorded cases of miraculous healings to the healing rooms in five years. And from there, he moved to Portland, Oregon, and the healing ministry continued powerfully. This is what God did through one man who said, God, I want the power of God. I want what I see in the Bible. Amen. I want to challenge us. This is our day. This is our time. You and I can make our life count for God. Whether you're a school student, a college student, whether you're a teacher or a professor, whether you're a homemaker, whether you're a, business, you're a professional, a working professional, or whether you're a full-time minister of God, you can make your life count count for God. If you're willing to embrace the reality, the fact that you are a missionary Monday to Saturday, that your experience of Jesus goes beyond the Sunday morning service, God wants to use each one of us. Amen. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.